Good morning. Good morning. Happy Thanksgiving week. There will be a Tuesday night service, same location, where we go chapter by chapter through the Bible and all the prayer sessions, morning and noon and 3 p.m. will continue this week. I'm thinking probably not on Thanksgiving Day, but we will send out an announcement on that. Sometimes you think of things as you're announcing something. Wait, that doesn't sound right. Why don't you rise for the reading of God's word? We are in Mark chapter 10. We're going to be finishing out Mark chapter 10 at this time. Powerful, powerful, powerful story immediately preceding Jesus going into Jerusalem where he will be arrested and tried and beaten and crucified. Matthew, Mark, and Luke have this story immediately preceding that. Verse 46, now they came to Jericho. As he, Jesus, went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then they warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Hmm. Father, I, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. that every man and woman in this room would understand that they are as needy as a blind beggar. Starting with me, Lord. I need you. I need you as much as a blind beggar. God, how self-deceived we are. 
thinking that we are self-sufficient, thinking we have what it takes, thinking that we see correctly, hear correctly, understand correctly. Lord, no, we'd come to you uh, this morning just asking, Lord, please show us our need. Show us what we, show us that we're blind. Show us that we, uh, we're in many ways, we're deaf, Lord. Our minds twisted. And Lord, we're coming to you because you are the God of mercy who delights in giving mercy to your people, who loves to straighten what is twisted, who loves to open the eyes of the blind, the ears of the, of the deaf, to make the lame walk. Lord, how we need you, how we need all of you. Just to walk, Lord. Just to walk with you. Lord, open up your word, Lord. Your word says in the psalm, it says if we open our mouths wide, you'll pour in. Pour in, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. By the way, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. If you need a Bible, you can raise your hand. Anyone? We have one there in the back. The Spanish Bible right there. Anybody else? Spanish or English Bible? So here again, we are at the end of chapter 10 in the book of Mark, going chapter by chapter through the book of Mark, our next study in, in the book of Mark. After this morning's study in Mark will be Mark chapter 11, Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, a multitude of people greeting him, spreading out branches over the road. Tradition says uh, that they were palm, branch and pr palm branches, hence we call it Palm Sunday, the week before Easter. He'll be riding in, the next time we're in Mark, a multitude shouting out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, but he will soon thereafter be betrayed and delivered and beaten and crucified. So here we have, right before that dramatic entry into Jerusalem, we have Jesus meeting a blind man by the name of Bartimaeus. And we read this story in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So this is a this is you know one of the things you do when you teach the Bible is you notice where a lot of ink is dedicated to a certain sto story. Relatively speaking, this guy Bartimaeus he gets a lot of ink. He gets a lot of ink right before this, uh, right before the crucifixion. Really, the beginning of the road, Jesus' road to Calvary. Why is the healing of this man giving, given so much prominence? 
Because he represents you, that's why. Because he represents me. Because he represents everyone who ever lived prior to God's salvation of them. That's why. Blind. A beggar. Being physically blind. I don't want to trivialize it in any way. To know nothing but physical darkness is without question a terrible condition to befall any human being. But let me tell you, Calvary Chapel, infinitely more terrible, indescribably more terrible, is a man or woman blind to the love of God, blind to the glory of God, blind to the holiness of God, blind to the beauty of God, blind to the consequences of their sin, blind to the horror of their sin, the darkness of it, the ugliness of it, blind to God's judgment of sin, blind to the fact that sin is leading them to hell, blind to the fact that salvation through Jesus Christ is free. And blind to the fact that salvation is offered to all regardless of how good or bad, regardless of how clean or dirty, regardless of how rich or poor, regardless of how educated or uneducated, blind to the abundant life that salvation brings, freedom that salvation brings, the power over sin that salvation brings, the joy and peace that salvation brings. We are blind to all of that prior to knowing Jesus Christ. Some of you are blind this morning. You are walking, you are walking blind people and you're sitting here listening to me right now. Blind to the fact that with God's salvation comes an everlasting relationship with him and that blind to the fact that far from being a harsh taskmaster, God is gentle and he's loving. And he carries your burden. And as we discussed last week, he, God serves you as a loving father, blind to uh, any conception of God like, like that. Blind to the fact that God desires and delights to save. God desires and delights to save you. If only you will, you will come to him like Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10 as a beggar crying out. Some of you are sitting here, you know nothing of crying out to God. That's what God requires of you for your salvation. Blind Bartimaeus represents you. He represents me, a beggar, recognizing he had nothing to offer Jesus Christ. 
He represents you, me, everyone who has ever lived prior to a relationship with Jesus. Let's go through the story verse by verse. Verse 46 says this. It says, now they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho, meaning as Jesus went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, note that, not only a multitude at this point, it's a great multitude, a great multitude. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. Now, in order to understand the significance of this story, in order to understand the significance of what is about to happen with this blind man, and just the timing of it all, you must know that Jesus is fully aware of what is going to happen to him when he gets to Jerusalem. He knows exactly what's going to happen. He's already feeling the pain. Go back to verse 33 and 34 of this same chapter, Mark chapter 10. He takes his disciples aside and he says this in verse 33, behold, we're going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. They will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him and the third day he will rise again. And now go to the previous chapter, chapter nine, verse 31. Chapter 9, verse 31 says he, um, this is just the chapter right before the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and after he is killed, he will rise the third day. Go to the chapter before that, verse 31 of chapter 8, and he, Jesus, began to teach them the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. I take the time to reread those passages to drive home the point that as Jesus passes this blind man, he's got a lot on his mind. He has got a lot on his mind. Human beings... And as a pastor, I see this over and over again. They get this distorted view of God that, what does God care about me? He's got a lot on his mind. Well, with that, focus in, zero in on this story of Bartimaeus. So important, the story Matthew, Mark, and Luke um, um, uh, recite right before he goes into Jerusalem. So let's read verse 47. And when he, meaning blind Bartimaeus, heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So please note here, Bartimaeus, this blind beggar, calls out to Jesus, and what does he call him? Someone shout it out. Louder. 
son of David. He cries out, son of David. Someone says it's Jesus of Nazareth. He doesn't cry out Jesus of Nazareth. He, he says, Jesus, son of David. Now, what's all that about? Important that you understand what that means. That this blind man, this poor blind man, this destitute blind man, calls Jesus the son of David. In 1 Samuel, we were in 1 Samuel on, on Tuesday nights where we go through the Old Testament. King David is promised by God that one of his descendants will be the Messiah, the Savior, the Savior of the Jews, the Savior of the whole world. See, you and I, and everyone instinctively knows we need a Savior. It doesn't take a whole lot to understand, given what we look out in the world and what's going on in our heart. Something is messed up. I need a Savior. David's told that Savior is going to come through you. After 1 Samuel, what happens is the prophets, the Jewish prophets, one after another, speak good news into the lives of the hearers to the people to whom they are prophesying about the coming son of David, the coming descendant of David who is going to come and he is going to establish a kingdom, an everlasting kingdom. So, in, for example, in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, uh, do we have that, Dave? Isaiah 11, 1 and 2. This is uh, written 750 years before Jesus Christ. This is a prophecy about Jesus Christ. There shall, be, shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. Who is Jesse, Calvary Chapel? Jesus' father. <laughs> David's father. Thank you. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. That's David's father. And a branch shall grow out of his roots meaning there's going to be a descendant. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, notice the capital H, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. That is speaking about the son, meaning the descendant of David. Next verse, in uh, Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, this is God speaking, I will establish one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, my servant David. Speaking of the son of David, the descendant of David, Jesus Christ, that's who he's speaking of. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. Jesus is your shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. Calvary Chapel. Hosea chapter three, verse five. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. This is speaking of the son of David. David is long dead by this time of this prophecy. It's speaking of the descendant of David who will be Messiah. He will be savior. He will be king. And they shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days, meaning it will be many days from the time of that prophecy, which I think is about five or 600 years before the birth 
of Jesus Christ. So again, back in Mark chapter 10, verse 47, when he, Bartimaeus, heard that it was Jesus that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, it's worth asking. We're here, remember, on Sunday mornings, studying the Bible to know Jesus Christ more. And anytime you read the word of God, ask questions, or ask God, Lord, what questions am I supposed to be asking? One good question worth asking, why does this blind man Bartimaeus, how does he know that Jesus is the son of David? How does he know? Why this guy? Why is this guy happen to know that Jesus is called the son of David? Actually, He's the only person in Mark or Luke who calls Jesus the son of David. I'll tell you what I think. This is what I think. He had heard that Jesus had healed a man born blind. John chapter 9. He had heard that Jesus had healed a man born blind. This had never been done in the history of the world. This had never been done in the history of Israel. And this man, Bartimaeus, as all Israel did, knew that when the Messiah came, when the Savior came, that the prophets of Israel had said, one of the things to look for to make sure Messiah is Messiah, because many people call themselves Messiah, up until actually today. But you'll know the Messiah when he heals, among other things, when he heals a blind man. He would open the eyes of the blind. So Isaiah 42, speaking of the Messiah. Now this is a very interesting verse. For those of you who have never read the Old Testament, I will tell you, you're ripping yourself off. You're also ripping the Lord off, who wants you to know him better. There's only so much you can know the Lord reading only the New Testament. That's why we go through the New Testament on, on Tuesday nights as well as some of the home fellowships. This is a conversation between God the Father and God the Son. There's conversations between God the Father and God the Son that appear from time to time in the Old Testament. This is one of them. Isaiah 42, 6 and 7 says, I, the Lord, so this is God the Father, have called you, speaking of Jesus Christ, conversation in, between, in the Trinity. There's been a conversation, a love relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that has, has lasted for, for all eternity. And this is a conversation. We're actually allowed to be there, like whatever, flies on the wall, whatever you call it, listening to God the Father talking to Jesus the Son. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, that means the nations or the world, to open blind eyes, to open blind 
blind eyes. So, so, so in Mark chapter 10, Bartimaeus knows that Jesus is the Messiah and the Messiah is on the scene and that the Messiah is Jesus Christ, the son of David, because he knows the word is out. He had healed a man that had been born blind. That's it, by the way, that's in John chapter nine. And when you heal a man that is born blind, let me tell you, the word gets out, especially to the people who are blind. He knows the Messiah, the Messiah is here. Is it possible that someday I will be able to see the Messiah, meet him, and be healed? Is that possible? Could that possibly happen? I want to, by the way, before we move on from Isaiah 42, I want to put the verses up again, and I want to show you something about these verses, because um, you do got to be careful when you, you read the Bible not to read too much into it. So you, a good question for you to ask as you're listening to me is, well, you know, this is a story of Jesus healing a blind man. How, how do I know that that applies to me? It doesn't say specifically anything about being spiritually blind. How do I know? And you do have to be careful of this. And, and some Bible teachers and commentators go way too far. I mean, whatever. Jesus um, walked by a peach tree, and the, uh, you know, and, and the commentator will say, yes, and 2,000 years later, the state of Georgia and the United States harvests the most peaches in the world. There'll be a great revival there. You will, re you will hear things, crazy things like that. You got to be careful. But, so, but why do almost all commentators believe that the story of Bartimaeus goes beyond physical blindness, and it's talking about you and me, blind without Jesus Christ, Bl uh, spiritually blind, unable to know God, understand God, and realize we're going straight to hell without a Savior. How do we know that? Well, Isaiah 42, verses 6 and 7, look at it very carefully. It says, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. Again, God the Father talking to Jesus Christ. And I will hold your hand. I mean, he's going to be with Jesus every step of the way. Jesus had a hard life. And God the Father was with him by the Holy Spirit every step of the way. I will give you, I will keep you, rather, and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes. Do we have the fuller, fuller version of that, Dave? It's the next verse. Okay, so notice here, um, it says, I will give you as a covenant to the people, meaning I will give your life and your death and your resurrection as salvation to the people. Here we go. And then it says, as a light to the world. What does Jesus say in, uh, in John? I think it's chapter, is it chapter nine? He says, yes, it's chapter nine. He says, I am the light of the world. And then it says, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from prison. For those who sit in darkness from the prison house. Are you with me here? That when it's talking about opening blind eyes, it's far more than physical blindness. It's giving, it's allowing them to see the light of the world because they're in the dark. 
It's allowing them to come out of prison because your sin will keep you in prison. It, 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 allow, it allows you to get out of the prison house where you are in darkness. Everyone with me there? So this is a clear thing in the Bible. That, 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 that when Messiah comes and he heals the blind, it's going to be a representation of so much more. It's going to be, as it says here, a, a representation of you can now see with, the, with Jesus Christ coming into the world, you can understand that God has a plan of salvation for you. Believing in Jesus Christ, coming as a beggar without anything in your hands, without any good works that you can offer to God, and, and coming as into the covenant relationship with God. Paul says to the, to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians, he says, the ruler of this world, speaking of Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. And so there you have it there. So back here in Mark chapter 10, blind Bartimaeus represents you. He represents me. He represents everyone who ever lived. Prior to God's salvation, you were blind to the love of God. You were blind to the glory of God. Some of you this morning are blind because you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life. You're blind to the holiness of God, blind to the beauty of God, blind to the consequences of your sin. Some of you in this room today, you're blind to the horror, the darkness, the ugliness of your sin and that it is leading you to hell, God's judgment. You're blind to God's judgment of sin. You're blind, though, to God's salvation from judgment through Jesus Christ. That's why this story is given such prominence. To stir up something in you. Well, you will begin to beg. You will, stay, you will be on the road and, uh, as Jesus comes by and you will cry out. And say, no, okay, now this is me. And you will cry out. People will ask you to, to be quiet and shut up, and you won't. You will cry out to God. That's why this story is given such prominence right as Jesus, before Jesus comes into Jerusalem. So again, verse 47. Let's read all the way to the end of the chapter. And when he, Bartimaeus, heard that Jesus of Nazareth it was Jesus of Nazareth. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. Shut up. Don't you know that this guy has better things to do than be talking with you now? The time of his, him healing people is gone. Be quiet. Who are you anyway? It says that many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. He cried out louder. In verse 49, it says, so Jesus stood still. Imagine that. This is a great multitude When we were praying, we were praying in the 9.30 service this morning, and towards the end, it gets, it gets difficult to pray because of noise going on in the other side of the room, and it's just a handful of people. This is a great multitude. 
And this guy's crying out. And it says that Jesus stood still. He just stops, comes to a halt. Remember verse 32, by the way, the same chapter. It says, it, it gives us, a, it, it gives us a, a look at Jesus as he's going to Jerusalem. It says, while they were on the road, Jesus was going before them and they were amazed. Why? Because Luke chapter 9 says his, his face was resolute. It was like hard as flint. He knew it was going on. And he is just going, walking to the cross. And people are seeing that. And hearing a blind beggar cry out, like, would you be quiet? Can you see, can't you see this guy? He's got more important things than you. Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called, verse 49. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer. Rise, he's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Isn't it interesting that he asked that? He knew he was blind. The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the way, on the road. Okay, there's at least four things I want you to see here. Solomon or Eldon or Gavi, can you bring me a watch? <laughs> I, love, I, I love you guys, I need a watch. Someone can bring me a watch. Here's, here's a watch, I got one. <laughs> There's at least four things I want you to see here. Number one, so important. I mean, you can chew on this Calvary Chapel for, for weeks. Just these three, three words. Jesus stood still. Jesus has the weight of the world on his shoulders. His face is like flint, meaning hard stone, going towards Jerusalem. He knows exactly what is going to happen to him when he gets to Jerusalem. He knows he's going to be sweating uh, with um, sweat, with, uh, with drops of blood inside the sweat, which is an actual medical condition, which happens to people in extreme stress. He knows that he is going to be going from trial to trial to trial at each place being beaten. He knows what that the worst thing of all that uh, he's going to be on the cross crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because the father will turn his face from him and he's going to be um, somehow separated from God who he's been with in his bosom for all eternity. He knows this. He knows he has your sin, your record, your trial all that gunk, that ugliness that you have. He knows it's going to be on him. He knows about the nails through his hands and his feet, the spear in his side. And he stands still. Calvary Chapel. 
Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He stands still for you. He does. Just chew on this. Do me a favor. Chew on this for a few weeks. Jesus stands still for you. Second thing I wanted to also bring up. Just asking a question. Now what is it that God, that makes God stand still for you? Someone want to shout it out? It's, it, it's, in this, it's, in this, it's in these verses. Why does God stand still for someone? What do we learn from these verses? Well, who said that? Very good, Christabel. He cried out. Bartimaeus cried out. I beg you, don't miss this. It says, again, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, verse 47, he began to cry out. Verse 48, when many warned him to be quiet, he cried out all the more. He cried out. He cried out, son of David, have mercy on me. He was louder than a whole multitude, a great multitude of people. You need to unlearn a lot of the prayer you grow up with if you're like me. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Amen. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Keep me safe through the night and wake me through the morning light. My parents didn't tell me about the dying thing, but I guess some people add that. Standing up in a church and reciting prayers that someone else wrote, and then there's a response by someone in front, and then, but that's not our prayer. I'm not saying you can't learn from those. Prayer books can be a great devotional for you. But if they're your prayer life, you have one dead prayer life. There's so much of our prayer life that we need to unlearn. It's not the prayer that God requires. God requires, if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, He requires a cry from your heart for him to stand still. We've seen this before, right? This is a theme throughout the Bible. As you know, remember in the book of Luke, there's a Pharisee the temple and the tax collector, the Pharisee saying, I am so, he, it says he prayed to himself. That's a horrifying thought that our prayer life is mostly to ourself. It says that. Is it Luke 18? Someone shout it out if I'm getting the wrong chapter. But, but, but uh, he, he, he says, he's praying to himself. He says, I am glad that I'm not like other people. 
Just robbers, extortioners, drunks, harlots, whatever. I'm glad I'm not like other people. I tithe and fast every week. And then it says, uh, it says, it says of, the, of, of, the, of the tax collector who was in the same place, although he was way back and he wouldn't even, he wouldn't even look at heaven. He kept his eyes um, shut because he was so humiliated. And he said, it says he cried out to God, have mercy on me. Jesus says, that's the one who's justified when he went home from the temple. God requires a cry from you. And some of you don't know what a cry is. For many years, I didn't know what a cry was. God wants to know the cry of your heart. But this is a theme. We were in Mark chapter 7. We were in this where the Syrophoenician woman, who remember her? The Syrophoenician woman, who's she? Well, in Mark chapter 7, and we went between Mark chapter 7 and and uh, Matthew chapter 15, and, and, and I'm just briefly going to read it because this is so important. It's so important, Calvary Chapel, that you discover the cry of your heart towards God. God wants the deep in you, not that shallow part. Matthew 15, verse 21, Jesus went out from there and departed to Sidon. Behold, a woman of Canaan came from the region and what? Cried out to him saying, have mercy on me, O son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Verse 23, he answered her, not a word. Now, you've got to go listen to the sermon to understand some of this stuff because some of Jesus' behavior is not what we would expect from uh, Jesus. But he said he answered her, not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, would you send her away? For she cries out after us. These 12 muscle-bound men, these fishermen, in front, get rid of this woman. And then you, you would have thought maybe our, our gentle, loving Jesus would have uh, said, hey, you guys, that's, kinda, that's not loving. That's not what he said. This is what he said. He said, I was not ex- sent except to the lost sheep of Israel, and she was not. I was only sent to the Jews, which is true. After Jesus' death and resurrection, then he says, go into all the worlds. But his ministry was to the Jews. And how does she react to that? I better get out of this place. No. It says she came and worshipped him and said, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Can you imagine that? Again, you got to listen to the sermon. I talk about what he means there. Gentiles were called dogs. He calls her a little dog. Isn't that what we are? Isn't that how we behave? They were called dogs by the Jews because of their behavior. That's us. She's not rebuffed. What does she say? It is, what does she say? She says, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And Jesus answered and said to her, oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. God requires the cry of your heart. Why is it that you 
Why is it you cry out in your heart to your own soul? Return to your rest, O my soul. For the Lord has dealt bountifully. A lot of the times we are just crying out. We're crying out, but it's not to God. It's to our own soul. We're venting to our husband. We're venting to our wife. We're venting to our friends at work or or whatever. We're crying out. We're crying out because the twisted brokenness in us and the one person that we're not crying out to is God. Well, we don't do that. Now lay me down to sleep. Pray my soul, my soul to keep. However it goes, that, that's, we're not used to it. We have a shallow relationship with the Lord. He requires your cry to stand still. And oh, when he stands still, what he does in your life. The third thing I want you to see, verse 50, said, and throwing aside his garment... He rose and came to Jesus. Only, that's only here in the book of Mark. He threw aside his garment. Can you imagine the, the garment? Do you ever walk down Methadone Mile? Some of the folks here have. Where the folks who have been addicted to drugs, the homeless are, and seen their clothes. This guy had clothes like that, and he takes them and he throws them off. And, and, and when I see this, I, I still am taking this in, but supremely. Most people say, well, you know, all our righteousness is like filthy rags. It's true. And he's throwing away his filthy rags. And he's like, I don't have anything. I like that. But I just, th- I just see it as an, a, a sh- a, an expression of, a shameless expression of his need. That's what you accompany your cry with, Calvary Chapel. Fourth thing, the last thing I want you to see here. It's kind of amazing, isn't it? When he gets to Jesus, Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? Why is Jesus doing that? I mean, that's, that's a little bit like when he's with the Syrophoenician woman, the Canaanite woman, and he said, it's not good to throw the children's bread to the dogs. It's like, Can't you see, Jesus? Can't you see? This man is blind. You know that. We all know that. Why does he do that? Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, you will be saved. There is something powerful that happens when we open our mouths and we speak out, when we cry out what our need is, that's what the Lord wants from you. You know, our problem is we have too much pride. Well, God knows my thoughts. God wants a relationship with you. That's comprised a lot more than your thoughts, my thoughts. What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. And then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. In the book of Luke, it adds a few extra words. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, 
gave praise to God. It's interesting, this guy Bartimaeus, if the worship team could come up at this point. Bartimaeus is the only person who is healed where they give his name in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In John, we know about Lazarus. But he's the only, all those hundreds of people, all those hundreds of people that were healed, Jesus opened their eyes, he, he, he opened their ears, the lame walked. You never see their names mentioned, except this one guy in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It is believed because people knew him well. People knew him well by the time this book, the book of Mark, is written. Uh, it says that um, he, at the beginning there, it says that he was Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. He followed Jesus and stayed with Jesus, this guy. And he developed a testimony, a reputation of a lover of Jesus Christ. And by the time this book is written, everyone, everyone knew his name. Of course, it doesn't mean at all that the other people that were healed or got their sight or, 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 or Jesus opened their ears didn't go on to walk with the Lord as well. However, this guy had a name for himself. A name as someone who followed Jesus Christ with zeal. And what does he tell us? What do we learn from him? Well, apart from God's salvation, you and I are just like him. Blind to the love of God, blind to the glory of God, blind to the beauty of God, blind to the consequences of our sin. Sin looks really, really pretty. We're blind to that. That's not. It's unbelievable. You take off the outer, sort of the, 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 the outer part of sin and inside it's just inconceivably dark and ugly. Blind to God's judgment of sin. Blind to the fact that we're going to hell apart from Christ. Blind to the fact that salvation through Jesus Christ is free. Blind to the abundant life that salvation brings. Blind to the freedom that salvation brings. The joy and the peace. The power over sin. Blind to the fact that God's salvation comes. That with God's salvation comes an everlasting relationship with Him. If you've been asked to pray, if you could, keep, if you could come up at this time, I'm just going to uh, ask first that you stand. We're going to sing a closing worship song. And if your heart has been stirred, maybe you have never given your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus stands at the door of, at the door of your heart and he's knocking. He says, if any man opens, Revelation 3.20, he says, I will come in and I'll eat with you, I'll dine with you, I'll have a relationship with you. You're standing here today and prior to walking in here, you've been blinded, blinded, blinded to the life that you're leading and where it's taking you, blinded to the fact that God does require a cry from you. And the cry is, 
I don't have anything to offer you, God, and I have really messed up my life. I have accumulated a record of sin. I just deserve to sin in uh, hell forever, and, and, uh, and I want you, but I come as a beggar. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's resonating with you. Come up, and we'll pray with you. Or if there's anything else, you want to discover the cry yard. You, you, you know nothing more than shallow prayer. Well, in order for Jesus to stand still, he requires the cry, a cry from your heart. You want to come up and cry out to God? I'll be up here just waiting for prayer. I'll pray with you. So let me close with prayer and we will worship. Father, I just thank you in Jesus' name for this story about Bartimaeus who now sees, not in, as in a mirror dimly lit as he saw even after his eyes were opened, he sees you in all your glory. God, we long for that time. We long for that day. We long for that feast. And I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, continue Continue your work in, in our hearts, my heart, everyone's heart. Those who are listening online, continue that work. In Jesus' name, amen.
At this time, if you, we're just going to go a little longer. If you have a child in nursery or Sunday school, if you could go and pick them up right now, we're just going to be worshiping for a few more minutes. But if you do have a child, please proceed to the children's area. But let's continue to worship. Yeah. Thank you. 